Hello there and welcome along to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Harare, Zimbabwe, joined by Solomon Ashoms in Johannesburg, South Africa and by Stuart Weir in the UK. And on this week's show, we focus on the issue of players choosing which nation to represent. We speak to Nigeria right-back Tyrone Ebuehi, who committed to play for the Super Eagles rather than the Netherlands, and he made it to Nigeria's World Cup squad. Yeah, I'm happy that I made this decision. I think it's one of the best decisions so far in my football career. We ask how important is this factor of national teams getting players of mixed parentage to choose their country, and if players with mixed parentage are only choosing to play for African nations as a last resort. Also, we talk English Premier League as the big teams continue to get ready for the new season. How are they shaping up and how significant are their new signings? That's coming later. Firstly, the CAF Champions League match day four. Very interesting indeed, as Al Ahly of Egypt continue their revival under their new coach, the Frenchman Patrice Carteron, as they won 1 0 away to Mbabani Swallows in Swaziland to make it two wins in a row. And now Al Ahly are bang in contention for a place in the quarterfinals. In the same group, Esperance of Tunisia won 1-0 away to KCCA in Uganda to book their quarter-final place with two games to spare. Five-time champions TP Mazembe dropped their first points in four group games as they were held to a 1-1 draw at home to MC Alger. The 2016 champions Mamelodi Sundowns of South Africa got their campaign back on track with a 2-1 win over AS Port of Togo as uh, Sundowns are now three points behind the Group C leaders Widad Casablanca and Widad Casablanca, last year's champions, beat Horoya of Guinea 2-0. And in Group B, in Angola, Primero Augusto beat Zambia's Zesco United 2-1. Not looking good for Zesco. And Tunisian giants Etoile du Sahel beat Mbamani Swallows of Swaziland 2-0, a result that puts Etoile through to the quarterfinals. Next games in the Champions League are in two weeks from now. Now, we've been speaking to Nigeria right-back Tyrone Ebuehi, who committed to play for the Super Eagles rather than the Netherlands and made it to Nigeria's World Cup squad, coming on as a substitute in the game against Iceland. Ebuehi is 22 and he's made a big move at club level, joining Portuguese giants Benfica on a five-year deal, moving from Dutch side Den Haag, where he made 82 appearances. Well, Ebuehi follows in the footsteps of William Troost Ekong, another defender who's born in the same town of Harlem in the Netherlands, also to Dutch and Nigerian parents, and opted to play for Nigeria. Well, Planet Sport Football Africa's Oluwashina Okaleji spoke to Ebuehi and first asked about choosing the Super Eagles. I think Nigeria is uh, one of the biggest co- uh, football countries in Africa, you know, and uh, I think it was a great opportunity for me to play for Nigeria. So, yeah, I'm happy that I made this decision. I think it's one of the best decisions so far in my football career. William Troost Ekong had any role to play in your decision when it was time for you to choose? Uh, yeah, also because uh, he gave me some advice and uh, told me uh, the benefits of, uh, of playing for Nigeria. So, yeah, it was, uh, it was also important in my decision. A lot of people back home in Nigeria, they just saw this Dutch boy, as far as they are concerned, you're Dutch and then you're eligible to play for Nigeria, maybe because of the surname. Tell us about your background in Nigeria. 
Uh, well, my dad is Nigerian. Uh, he was born there in Benin. So, uh, yeah, that makes me, of course, half Nigerian. And, uh, yeah, my mom is from uh, Holland, so so I'm half, half Nigerian, half Dutch. Your football at Ado Den Haag, it prepared you for the big time, I guess. Uh, yeah, of course. Uh, this season I played a lot of matches and uh, I think it's also important to to play a lot, especially for a young player as me. And uh, so, uh, yeah, I think it was a good season for me and also for the club. Okay, so what did you think when Benfica first approached you to sign you? I mean, tell us about the process. What, what went through your mind and do you know how big this club is? Uh, yeah, it's a really big club. I think the biggest club in Portugal and... Uh, I think uh, yeah, it was really great, you know, that uh, this type of big clubs are interested in you, and uh, you know, you work hard for this type of thing. So when they approached me, I was really happy, and uh, now I'm also happy that I signed for for Benfica. So yeah. Did you think it was a joke? A little bit, because like I said, it's the, I think the biggest club in Portugal. So why me, you know? And uh, well, now everything everything is settled and done. So I'm. Like I said, I'm just happy to sign for Befica. Did you have any reference? Did anyone talk to you about the club or mention the club to you? To be honest, not. Of course, I already knew some myself, but uh, of course you speak about it with your parents and uh, also with my agents. And uh, then we, of course me, I made, I made this, uh, the decision. But uh, like I said before, I'm uh, really, really happy to sign for such a big club. Yeah, so Benfica, they have a transfer policy in Euro buying players for 4.5 million, 4 million euros and all that. Then they sell them for, two, you know, like in two years later for about 30 and 40 million dollars, euros. Do you think that in Benfica you can reach a level that will enable you to go like players like uh, Nelson Semedo, Bernardo Silva that left Benfica for bigger clubs? Yeah, I hope so, of course. <laughs> uh, you know, Semedo is also one of my uh, examples and uh, I hope I can do... Uh, as good as he did for the club and uh, yeah that will be great you know to live for such an amount and uh, yeah we'll see for the benefit of those in portugal and of course in nigeria um, we don't know much about your play i mean we've seen you play for nigeria as an attacking right back tell us more about yourself as a player uh well i'm a right back uh, who can also play left sometimes and uh, no, i'm a player who likes to help uh, also offensive as, as defensive and uh, you know I just try to do my best and I think my speed is also really important in uh, the offensive side so like I said I just like to help uh, offensive and also defensive. Is playing in the Champions League one of the motivating factors for you to jump Benfica? Uh, yeah, of, yes of course I think uh, Champions League is one of the one of the biggest stages in, in the football world and that was also uh, yeah, one of the things that I really liked and uh, hopefully uh, it will happen. Does the fact that you speak a bit of Portuguese um, help you among the Brazilians and Portuguese t players in the team? Uh, yes, of course. I think it's important to communicate with uh, your teammates. So, yeah, I'm ha I have l uh, lessons now for almost two, three months and uh, yeah, I think it's important yeah, to speak the language also. So. Everyone talked about the stadium, the stadium of Benfica. Do you understand, I mean, all of the things that attracts a lot of people to talk more about that stadium? Yeah, it's a great stadium, you know. Uh, I think 65,000 people and uh, I think that's uh, great to play in such a stadium and for so, such an amount of fans. So, yeah, I can't wait. 
So that's Nigeria right back, Tyrone Ebuehi, speaking to Oloeshina Akaleji. Great move for him to join Benfica in Portugal. Now let's focus on the issue of him choosing to play for Nigeria. The FIFA rules are that if you played for a country at youth level, you can change to another national team at senior level. But that once you played for a senior national team, you can't change to another unless you've only played in friendly matches. So Solomon, first of all, it's great for Nigeria that they are attracting these players, isn't it? Yeah, it's great to see, uh, you know, football players with mixed parentage, you know, playing for Nigeria. Uh, we have to look at history, though, Steve, and, and, and see how the movement of Nigerians for greener pastures into Europe, you know, Italy, France, the UK, the Netherlands, Belgium. Uh, over the years, quite a lot of Nigerians uh, moved in there, you know, seeking greener pastures and for economical and political reasons. And, and due to that, you know, we're beginning to see a second generation of footballers born uh, with uh, one Nigerian parent that are playing for Nigeria. Historically, I think the first one I remember very well, uh, you know, growing up, the first uh, mixed parentage a footballer to play for Nigeria that I remember quite well is Ruben Agbuola. Uh, Ruben Agbola, you know, played for Sunderland uh, and he was a defender. He did quite well and it was really a good thing for Nigerian football fans to see uh, that, look, there are Nigerian players out there and the Nigerian Football Federation is going all across the world to look for uh, any player that has any sort of connection with Nigeria. And I think for Nigeria to do well, you know, you have to look for, uh, you know, that those uh, players, you know, there is as long as you have Nigerian blood inside of you, either your mother or your dad is Nigerian, you're eligible to play for Nigeria. I remember the days of uh, John Fashanu and he was uh, being persuaded to play for Nigeria, but he chose not to play for Nigeria. There's quite a lot of other players that chose not to play for Nigeria. Nigeria. But right now, Nigeria has become attractive. Nigeria is an attractive for uh, any footballer that has a, a goal as a footballer, uh, any footballer that wants to do well and play in the global stage, the World Cup, uh, because there's big-name players playing for Nigeria that had played for Nigeria before. Uh, so younger players coming up and that has any sort of uh, uh, relationship with Nigeria, they, they would definitely consider that. And Nigeria is attractive. And, and I hope that Nigeria keeps getting attractive for a lot of these players that were born outside of Nigeria and, and would want to consider playing for Nigeria. Yes, it makes your national team stronger. Uh, so, Stuart, how important is this factor of national teams getting players of mixed parentage to choose their country? Because, of course, France won the World Cup with a squad of many players who could have represented other nations in Africa. Steve, you may not remember it, but in 1935, Prince Obolensky, who had been born in Russia, was picked for the England rugby team, and that provoked protests. I mention this to make the point that changing nationality is not a new issue. And if you were to Google sports people competing for more than one country, you will find that the list stretches to several pages. Part of the problem is that the laws of nationality vary from country to country. And that makes it hard for FIFA, for example, to say that a person who has the passport of a particular country is not allowed to play football for that country. Also, in the modern world, new countries are being formed, like 1990, the split of Yugoslavia into Croatia, Serbia, Bosnia, Slovenia and Macedonia, 
and four of those five have subsequently played in the World Cup. Then there's the issue of colonisation and the historical links between countries, which has certainly led to the movement of a significant number of Francophone Africans to France. So for me, a player who is born in France but of African parents, feeling an affiliation for both countries is quite normal. I once interviewed the Brazilian-born player Cacao, who played for Germany in the 2006 World Cup, and he told me, this is a direct quote, I see myself as 100% German and 100% Brazilian. I feel at home in Germany. My family is at home. I speak the German language. At the same time, I have not forgotten my roots. My family brothers and sisters and my parents are all in Brazil. So while I feel at home in Germany, Brazil is still a big part of me. And he added that his motivation in taking German citizenship was so that his children would have the opportunity either to become German or to return to Brazil when they were older. Another player I talked to in a similar kind of way was Marcus Senna, a Brazilian-born player who was in the Spanish team which won the European Championship and was to go on to win the World Cup, when it was clear to him that Brazil was not going to pick him for the national team and he was then asked if he wanted to play for Spain, he decided at that point to take Spanish citizenship. Now, personally, I have reservations about someone with no German or Spanish blood, whatever, being allowed to play for an adopted country on the basis of living there for a certain number of years. But if the law of that land allows them citizenship on the basis of residence, how can football object? So it's part of how football is these days, but um, it does seem like those players with a choice will prefer to play for a European nation, but if there's not much hope of that actually happening, then they will opt for an African nation instead. Uh, For example, there's been a tussle between England and Nigeria for Tammy Abraham, and his heart is clearly set on England. Tammy Abraham is an interesting case. Now, he has a Nigerian father, but he was born in England and has been a Chelsea player since he was eight years old. He has played for England at under 18, under 19, under 20, under 21 levels, as well as in two full internationals friendly games. And culturally, he is English. So I understand why he would want to play for England. Now, in five years' time, if he is not broken into the England team, then I wonder if the prospect of playing in a World Cup for Nigeria might be more appealing than it is at the moment. Another example is Wilfred Zaha of Crystal Palace. Now, he was born in Cote d'Ivoire, but has lived in London since he was four. And in the 2012-2013 season, he got two caps for England, again in friendlies. But when four years later he had not been called up again to play for England, he opted for Cote d'Ivoire. Now, would he have done so if he'd been offered the chance to play in, say, the England 2014 World Cup squad? Only he can answer that. We've talked about the 14 or 15 members of the French World Cup winning squad 
who have African connections. But again, the vast majority of those were born or brought up in France. So again, it doesn't really surprise me that they would opt for the country, France, that they're most familiar with. For me, a major key to this whole debate is motivation. If a player has been born in one country, but has been brought up in another, and therefore feels an affinity uh, to two cultures, I have no issue with him choosing either of the two countries. But examples of Senna and Kakao adopting a country just because work has brought them there seems to me to be quite different. But as they have the correct passport, what can FIFA do about it? When players choose between two countries on the basis of which would I rather play for or which team is the stronger, you could really ask questions as to whether that is a satisfactory situation to be in. Yes. Well, what do you think, Solomon? Are players with mixed parentage, with one parent from Africa and the other from Europe, only choosing to play for African nations as a last resort? Yeah, it's unfortunate that some players who are born with Nigerian parents only see that, uh, you know, as a, a last resort or maybe they're born with uh, one of the parents being Ghanaian, one of the parents being Cameroonian, one of the parents being Tunisian or Moroccan. They see it as a last resort because, I mean, first of all, obviously, uh, these players, they grew up in either Belgium or they grew up in France or in England and, and that's all they know. Uh, and the culture that they embraced is the culture of where they grew up, even though one of their parents is African. Uh, so first of all, for them, it's going to be you know, quite a shock, maybe a change of culture, in as much as a lot of African players plays in, played in Europe and they understand that culture. And secondly, a lot of them also want to play for the country of their birth uh, because they feel it would put them more you know, in a global stage to give them more opportunity. And they consider any African, you know, country as a second option, either the country of their mother's birth or their father's birth as a second option, unfortunately. But we are beginning to see that changing. You know, we're beginning to see that becoming differently. John Fashanu, again, uh, he was approached to play for the Nigerian Super Eagles, but he turned it down. At the end of the day, he ended up getting just two caps for England. I, when I look at it sometimes, I would think it's selfish, but at the same time, it's not selfish in a bad way. It's just, you know, the player needs to make the decision because the player has a goal and that he wants to achieve and he has to weigh his options, you know. He has two options. Other players don't have two options. They have one option, but he has two options. And also some of them also because of the stories they hear about how African players are being treated by their countries, um, you know, how they're not being taken care of, uh, you know, how the bonuses are not paid, how there's like crisis after crisis. So a lot of that also is uh, some sort of a turnoff for them because they're used to working in environments, uh, you know, where everything runs smoothly. And I feel that if, you know, if we could get quite a few things in order, uh, then we would be able to uh, really be uh, option A and not option B. Well, thanks, Solomon. Yes, it's uh, quite an issue, that one, uh, the issue of nationality. 
Well, this is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. And you can download our app and listen to the show anytime. To download, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. Once you've downloaded, you can listen to the show anytime on the app and access past programs too in our archive. You can also listen on our website, planetsportfootballafrica.com, and our Twitter handle is at planetsportfa. And now we do turn to social media. Last week we talked about the 2022 FIFA World Cup, which will be hosted by Qatar. Now the bidding process was controversial, as the country is so hot and as it has no football history of note. Stuart's been to Qatar several times. He told us about the country's enthusiasm for sport. But we asked, what do you think? Will Qatar be good hosts? On Facebook first, Musa Ba in the Gambia says, yes, it will be a successful tournament. I can remember when Russia were awarded the 2018 tournament and so many pundits were criticising FIFA for that. Moses Al-Hakim, also in the Gambia, says, I hope so, because they have the wealth, so definitely it could be one of the best. Any country that is rich should be able to make it successful, says Moses. And a Cup 10 single in Zambia is brief and to the point, saying, yes, why not? On WhatsApp, Bakari Tamba in the Gambia says, It's true, Qatar don't have a history of football, but it will be a fine environment to host the most fascinating world football tournament, says Bakari. Mam Sambasala, also in the Gambia, agrees, saying, Yes, I do think that they will be good hosts, says Mam, because they have the financial muscle to provide what's required to make the World Cup a success. Francisco Dodoma in Malawi says, As a tourist destination, we all know that Qatar is superb. Its financial development is great and its travel and transportation sector is fantastic. It's true that the bidding process was questionable, says Francisco. However, as far as football is concerned, the Qatar national team won't stand the heat and pressure as the country has no history in football. We saw Russia playing amazing football as hosts of the recent World Cup, but I don't think that Qatar can perform like this. However, the massive investment they're putting in will make the 2022 World Cup a memorable experience, says Francisco. Andrew Jassy in the Gambia says as long as the infrastructure is good, they'll be able to host it successfully despite the heat there. Remember, FIFA goes for money, not evidence of a footballing history, says Andrew. Richard in Nigeria says, sure, why not? It's FIFA's decision. But Apate Jallo in the Gambia strongly disagrees. It's a terrible decision to award it to Qatar, says Pate, an act of which asks questions about corrupt practices. I think it should be revisited, says Pate. Yeah, thanks for that comment there. Has been talk uh, along the way of reopening the bidding process, but it looks as though FIFA is fully behind Qatar now. Uh, Henry Wallison in Malawi agrees with Patty saying not at all because as far as I know the hot weather will not make it good it'll only favor those who are close to that country's climate and let me ask this question why was Qatar chosen anyway among the whole world that decision had nothing to do with the weather but Mohamed Aikinte in the Gambia is very positive for me yes Qatar will be a good host as they're a friendly country and they like to show the world who they are The most important thing for a World Cup to be successful is the resources and finance, and Qatar has got all of these. If Russia was successful, then Qatar will be even more successful, says Mohammed. 
John in Ghana is equally positive, saying yes, I think they will be able to host it. Looking at their stadiums and their preparations, it'll be fantastic, says John. Abu Tejan Jalo in the Gambia is looking forward to Qatar hosting it. I believe Qatar will be a good host, despite the numerous criticisms they've received from the big powers, says Abu. They criticise Russia for winning the right to host the FIFA World Cup this year. It turned out to be the best. And Lamine Sane, also in the Gambia, is looking forward to the tournament already. Well, it'll be another exciting World Cup in Qatar, both on and off the pitch, considering it's in the Gulf. Again, let's expect more drama from the participating teams in terms of results and performance. And, says Lamine, I'm sure that they will be a good host. Asiku Lawrence in Uganda says, Looking at the recent World Cup in Russia, I believe Qatar too shall make a good host. In the case of Russia, no one believed they would put on a great tournament uh, with issues like racism and so on, but it worked out so well, so I believe Qatar will stage a good one too, and the finals will be a great boost to the development of the game in the nation and in the region as a whole, says Asiku. And finally, Alpha Jalo says, yes, I believe they will be very good hosts, looking at the rapid developments that they are registering recently and their love for the beautiful game. Even though it might be very hot, it will be a successful one, I believe, says Alpha. Well, thanks so much for all of those comments on Qatar 2022. This week we're asking who will win the English Premier League. It's a brand new season coming up, so will Manchester City run away with the title again? Can the likes of Liverpool and Manchester United challenge them this time? So who do you think will be the English Premier League champions and why? Go to our Facebook page, Planet Sport Football Africa, or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. Who do you think will win the English Premier League this season? Well, in England, the Community Shield is on this Sunday as league champions Manchester City play FA Cup winners Chelsea. And then the season starts on Friday the 10th with Manchester United playing Leicester. Uh, so, Stuart, how do you feel the big contenders are shaping up? Steve, it's hard to say what we've learned from all the friendlies and pre-season tournaments so far. Liverpool beat Manchester United 4-1 last week, but as Jose Mourinho was quick to point out, Manchester United were without 12 World Cup players for that game. And with FIFA recommending that all players have a four-week summer break, some clubs may start with quite a weak lineup, which could ultimately have some significance for how the season unfolds. Chelsea have a new manager, but are pretty unsure as to what their squad is going to look like, with neither Aidan Hazard or Theobald Courtois apparently willing to commit to the club for this season. But Chelsea are reportedly offering N'Golo Kante, the French player with Malian connections, a staggering $380,000 a week to ward off the advances of Paris Saint-Germain. Incidentally, Sadio Mane at Liverpool is also in contract talks looking for an increase on his $100,000 a week. Now, $100,000 a week is a figure most of us would jump at as an annual salary, let alone a weekly wage, but it is significantly less than a third of what Cantney's new terms look like being. Now, which of the 
big clubs has done best in the transfer window? I think you'd have to say Liverpool, adding Fabinho from Monaco, Keita from Leipzig, Shaqiri from Stoke City and Alisson, the Roma goalkeeper. Chelsea have added Jorginho from Napoli, Manchester United, Fred from Schechter, the Brazilian. Manchester City have added Rian Mares, but beyond him only Claudio Gomez from Paris Saint-Germain and Philippe Sandler from Zoll in Netherlands. You might say, with the squad they've got, they don't need anyone else. Arsenal have added five players, but none of them really will uh, set the world alight, I would say. Liechtensteiner from Juventus, Leno from Bayer Leverkusen, Torero from Sampdorio, and Gunduzi from Lorient. And the last one is Socrates Papathopoulos. My goodness me, you'll struggle to get his name in the back of the shirt. Well, a very tricky name there. What a challenge for the commentators. Thanks very much, Stuart, and much more on the English Premier League on next week's show. And on Facebook and on WhatsApp, we're asking who do you think will win the English Premier League with the new season almost upon us? Will Manchester City do it again? Can Liverpool, Manchester United, other teams mount a challenge? You can go to our Facebook page and post a comment there. That's Planet Sport Football Africa. Or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. From me, Steve Vickers in Harare, from Solomon Ashams in South Africa, and Stuart Weir in the UK. Thanks a lot for listening. And Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production.